This week on Grip and Grin, we take you from the high peaks to the coastal flats. It is always a challenge finding those cooler waters during the scorching summer months. However, for those who suffer the long, grueling journey into the mountains are certainly rewarded with tight lines. Listen along as the Grip and Grin team hike back into the western mountains of Maine in search for native square tails. Find your footing and try and keep up. Hello, you listeners, and welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. We are back in action, and today we are on the hunt for some cold waters. Yep, it's been a fucking hot summer, and, uh, you know, not a lot of trout to be had if you don't know where to look. But if you know where to look, you can definitely get into them. Damn straight. So, (laughs) as always, you know, check out the Instagram, which, again... We've been slacking a little bit, but we'll be posting brookies all through deer season, so don't worry about it. And uh, we gotta mix it up. We can't, you know. Let's let's give like a smorgasbord. Oh, they're gonna get everything. You're gonna have to deal with it because we've been gone for a while. And yep. But we have a big episode for you where we're gonna cover all of New England practically. Yeah. So. There's a whole oh lot That's to right. unpack yeah. where Jeez. we're going to talk about Maine. We're going to talk about Cape Cod. We're going to talk about Vermont. We're going to talk about all the great stuff we've been doing. And we're going to skip quite a bit that we've done. And I'd like to say this yep. before we dive into our agenda here. I've been out multiple times without you in Maine. We have, uh, we've only gone out once, which we're going to talk about now. I've been out multiple times out of state that we're not going to talk about, but... The brookie fishing has been amazing this year, and there's a lot to unpack with that, and we're going to give you the highlights of it all. And mm-hmm. again, we're not going to try to skip the major details, but we're going to give you as much as we can from the big highlights of this summer as a whole because we're pretty much covering all of uh, June, July, August, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. So we'll hit the whole highlights. And what's cool about this agenda is we're talking about my last three weeks, which have been mm-hmm. maybe the best three weeks of fishing I've had in my life. After the first week, he was like, uh, I don't know how I could top this. And then like the second week hit, and you're like, dude, I don't know how I could top that. And then the third week hit, and it's like, Jesus Christ. You were just on a winning streak. I was on a hot streak from the heavens i couldn't even begin to explain it to you until you listen to the pod but yeah so we went a whole what six weeks without seeing each other right yeah six weeks so we finished yep. the allagas trip if you haven't listened to that pod go back and listen to it great recap of uh doing the allagas going over to rangeley and uh, we had a hiatus with your busy schedule and my yep. schedule of fishing by myself, but we ended up deciding to go back to Rangeley. You know, we had a great weekend of weather ahead where it was going to be cooler temps. They just got some rain, and 
I was going to drive up from Mass direct to meet you in Rangeley, so going up to New Hampshire, and you uh, ended up driving there a little bit earlier than me and set up camp early, correct? Yeah, I I think I ended up maybe like 20, 30 minutes like ahead of you, but this spot that we went to is actually the spot that we chose uh, that night after the Allagash. Yep. And so yep. we knew of that campsite, and we, you know... <laughs> This was a Friday afternoon that we were heading up, and I was like, "Man, fingers crossed! I, oh, I just hope that that, you know, that campsite is not taken. Because if it's taken, we're camping out on the side of a dirt road in the middle of the woods." Yep, definitely. So as you were uh, as you were there, and I was driving up, I had no service, so I was just hoping and praying that if I had a text come through that you were at the spot and it ended up, you know. Getting to a high point, coming into Rangeley, got your text, you got the spot. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Get there yep. right at, you know, dusk, evening, pretty much close to nighttime. And we had a perfect evening to uh, catch up and hang out for the night, preparing for uh, what would be a great day following. A cooler full of beers became an empty cooler full with, like, just water. Um the fire was great. I brought some wood from home, which was dry, you know, had no trouble there. Um, we had already eaten dinner, so it's just the stars were amazing. Uh, you know, there's no light pollution out there. It's it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. The one thing I did observe uh, when, when I was going through Rangeley was compared to the original hatch uh there wasn't as many dead bugs on the front of the the subi but uh you know there were still bugs in the air don't get me wrong but it wasn't like a monster hatch like we had before but. no for sure because now we're talking about late july early august time frame where you're not going to have the the green drakes coming out all the black caddis coming out all these different mayflies and caddis just producing stone flies on top of that but even the mosquitoes and black flies weren't too bad compared to when we no, first ever went. So, and you, your strategy—you actually brought up the strategy going into this uh, this weekend. Uh, we are planning on, was it two days? Yep, two days. We were planning on fishing, and um, you you came across a strategy that you know a lot of people overlook, and that is elevation. Yep. Yep. So if you look on a topo map, for all you uh, native brookie finders out there, if you find water that dumps in from uh, around 2,000 feet of elevation, you know that water's going to be spring-fed, which means it's going to be cold. So if it's 90-degree days like we all have been having in New England, you're going to have cold water to fish. So I set my target on going upstream from the river that we had fished prior to but to a point where we have multiple feeder brooks we have elevation above you know 1700 feet and you know we're gonna yep. run into some cold water hasn't rained at all at that point really so i think it rains that wednesday thursday but it was like a quarter of an inch of rain it wasn't much enough to freshen up the stream pretty much or yeah. the river i yep. should say but because we have like PTSD with rain, you know what I'm saying? So if if you had, 
That that's a fact. <laughs> so focusing on you know about two thousand feet of elevation, uh, focusing on headwaters because those headwaters are going to be above that elevation you know point and right. Keep an eye on the prior rain, the prior temperatures. This weekend we had perfect weather to go fishing. Dude, before that, what didn't we have a heat wave before that? Wasn't oh, it like it in was, the 90s? It was in the 90s, almost 100 every day, humid, nasty, disgusting. And then like Saturday, it was like a high of what, 68? Yep, exactly. It was 68 and cloudy. And cloudy. We were like, we're going fishing. Like, that. I think it was like Tuesday night or Wednesday night, you were like, bro, it is perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I was like, yes. It's I remember go time. you texting me at work and I'm like looking at the fucking weather temps. I'm like creaming my pants just thinking about <laughs> how perfect the conditions were going to be to go out and fish. So, mm. you know, we had some beers on Friday night, you know, chillax uh, around the fire, see the stars, catch up a little bit. And we ended up sleeping in quite a bit, which is weird. Usually we're up at the crack of dawn, the logging trucks are going by, but, you know, with this, waking up, I remember waking up, dude, and the sun, it was like an early sunrise, and, uh, because once it got above the clouds, it just became cloudy, but I remember the tent was just baking. I know, because I woke up, and I'm like, holy shit, it's hot, so I started to, like, move around a little bit, then you woke up, and I'm like, guess what time it is? You're like, what, (laughs) eight? I'm like, I was like, what? I was like, dude, we got to (laughs) go. So we woke up. We didn't even have breakfast or coffee, which we've had on hand. Yep. So, you know, we we talked about the night before. I'm like, all right, this is where we want to go on the river. Hopefully it's going to be good. We'll see. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be. And, I mean, we're driving down the or you're driving down the road. (laughs) I I, – for you listeners out there, um, you know, slamming beers on an empty stomach, uh, it's not a good recipe for the next morning, to say the least. Especially uh, when I, you're driving on a road that's not paved, pretty bumpy. A windy, bumpy dirt road, and I'm driving, and the whole time, like, I'm playing it off cool, like, you know, I have a slight headache, but my stomach's a little messed up, too. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm a little hungover. I'm like, yeah, this is this is not good. But, you know, a little bit of water time, I'm like, it'll be fine. I'll be good. And, uh, you know, Andrew, I was driving down the dirt road, and all of a sudden he's like, hey, we're taking this right right here. I was like, all right, cool. And I literally make the the right-hand turn, and you're like, what are you doing? And I was, like, slowing down to, like, a crawl. I threw it in park, and I just, like, look over at you casually. I'm like, I'm going to go puke. You're like, what? I was like. I got to go puke. <laughs> Open the door, just hands on the knees, and just start unloading. And wasn't even that bad, but, uh, you know, a couple good sessions. And then mid-puke, I look over at you, and I'm like, let her rip, Skip, <laughs> and just kept going. And you're like, Jesus, Murphy. And my man right behind me tapping me on the ass with, like, paper towels and stuff. He's like, here you go, man. I'm like, you got my back. Thanks. And I was like, yeah, you're definitely driving now for sure. <laughs> so once that transition happens, which I was not ready for, we didn't even have too much the night prior, which was kind of no. surprising. 
<laughs> driving down. I was almost laughing and puking at the same time. <laughs> I'm I'm ripping down this dirt road, which was actually pretty nice. So I was able to actually get down, haul a little bit, but. Yeah, screw up, you, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> Being hung over and you driving like that, I was like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> so I, we get to the, uh, the, I guess I could say the drop point, and, yep. you know, we're walk over to the brook. I put my hand in the brook. I'm like, holy shit, it's ice cold. And you're like, no fucking way. You I walk- just remember you, like, shaking your hand, and you're like, a big-ass grin on your face. And I'm like, what? And you're like, feel it. Just, just just touch it. And I'm hung up. I'm like, all right, go down to the brook. And I like just dunk my hand in there. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, cold. 59 degrees. Cold. 59 degrees. In July after a heat wave. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't Clarity. get any better. It was it was perfect. And was that day, perfect. that day was cloudy again. 60 what? 60 at in the morning it was like 62 so we get to the car we're like slowly getting ready and um the slowly very slowly and we our plan is to start you know for our flies i was running a double drive rig with a simulator a size 12 and then uh just a regular Adams with a size 16 hook. You were running a stimmy to start, I'm pretty sure. Just yes, as... it was definitely. Yeah, I was I was only doing single rig. I couldn't handle double rig at that point in time. So we get down to the, <laughs> the river, and I get you to You were this... wet waiting, too. I was wet waiting. You were waiting, which was... I was waiting, but I'll justify it. I had just recently patched a lot of holes in my waders, and it was like... It's cold water, but I want to test it out to see if those holes are actually patched. And I must have, what, at the car, I was staying there for an hour. You even went to take a shit. I, And then yep, came out of the woods. Yep. And I was still trying to decide, like, I don't know what I'm doing, dude. <laughs> but I went with the waders, yeah, which I do have a little, little tiny hole, pinhole left. But so far, so good. Yep. So we get down to the river, fish the first what less than 100 feet and first cat i both of us first cast like you walked up probably like 50 yards to a gorgeous gorgeous fucking pool and i fished underneath a bridge and immediately both of us boom yep trout on yep just instant we were like holy shit and so it was we a knew lot the bite was better on. than i was expecting i was yeah, again, the expectations were a little bit low because even though the water temp's low, it's been hot, there's not a lot of bug activity, and they were just rising. They were boiling at this point. Like, I would throw them into this one pool filled with foam, and I would just pull them out left and right. And I'm like, dude, there was no bugs. None. And we weren't saying that to each other, like, throughout the trip because we, we didn't want to jinx it. But I just remember, like, three-quarters of the way through the trip, you looked at me, you're like, no bugs. I'm like, dude, I know. It was so weird. And we had so no horse flies, which was, again, a surprise from where you're at in central Maine, where you've had horse flies every day at home. And yep. we didn't even have that. It was just perfect. No bugs to worry about compared to the Allagash. And, you know, yep. we started fishing. And when we started fishing, it was kind of like. It was pocket water, undercut banks. It wasn't really. I want well. I want you to emphasize. You you talked about this twice to me on our way to the river, 
and you were like, there's like three phases of the river. So you have three phases to any like big trip to a river where you have the lower end, which is going to be like slower moving, you know, a little bit warmer, deeper water. You're going to get up a little bit. You're going to have undercut banks, more S turns if you're looking at a topo map. You're going to have undercut banks. It's going to be a little bit faster moving. And then when you get up into the headwaters even more, you're going to have more plunge pools, more vertical gradient to the river for uh, most rivers you're looking at. And I called it out perfectly because we were coming in right right as the S-turns turned to plunge pools. Mm -hmm. And we went from fishing, what, two, three, in the deep pools, four feet of water, um, yep. you know, not very wide, pretty fast moving, you know, had pocket water. And then it just all of a sudden turned to a vertical gradient plunge pools, deep, deep water. And dude, like, it was insane. It, it, <laughs> so we get to the first plunge pool and, and you get to it, deep. you get to it and you're fishing a dry fly. I don't even cast my dry fly. I immediately changed to the new and improved Allagash Law, which I would like to call the Allagash White Sub, you know, a little micro woolly. Yep. And, you know, cast it in and hook up immediate. And Dude, are you talking about that pool that was like 15 feet deep? Yes, the first one where I changed flies. You caught one. With your dry fly that one on the submerged, a submerged <laughs> yeah, yeah. dry fly. Yep. And at this point, I was like, hey, we're going to switch rigs here. Yep. And the fact that you made that that micro woolly, because you had made, you modified the woolly bugger to a micro woolly bugger last year. And then this year, you're like, yeah, I tied up these. These are new. I had never seen anything like them before. And dude, that fly was the it was the ticket oh like that was the tick that was a ticket of the trip so i don't think i switched flies after that no we did not so again this this uh fly was named after the allagash law that we talked about in the previous episode <laughs> and it was only fitting to call it the allagash law fly which is a micro woolly and then this particular micro woolly we call the Allagash White because it's just a white woolly with a white chenille body with a white rabid zonker tail with grizzly hackle. So I'm I'm surprised you uh you gave that out before uh, patenting in that. Uh, <laughs> I I should patent it, but. <laughs> For all uh, of you out there, this this fly on a size is amazing. It I, is amazing. If I remember right, it's a size fourteen or sixteen hook, bead headed, and it's great too because you can see it in the water. It's so easy to like follow it through the water. It blends it with some bubbles here and there, but and it's perfect it's about just... it. It sinks quick, but it can mm -hmm. still go on a light fly rod. Where I'm running a. Uh, a light three weight, six and a half footer. You've had your seven and a half, four weight, or five weight, I mean. Five weight. And yep. um, it works perfect for the pools we were hitting where you would throw that fly out right where the water plunges into the pool, let it sink, and then just wait. Just a little Just strip, let the fly do the work. And then once you feel something, you hit it, and then boom, 
we went up to the next pool and gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous pool. And I pulled out a fat brookie for what we Tanker. would call this little tiny it's a river, but it's still almost like a trib at this point. Deep right. into the headwaters and absolutely gorgeous. I wish we had pictures of it close up to look at it. It was just it was a nice like what, twelve incher right? Uh, oh, minimum. Minimum. So yeah. You know, we're... it was hard to hold it too, because like as you're holding it, it was like still want it still had fight in it when you were trying to throw it back. But we were trying to get pictures of it, and it's just it was hard. And with you know with how the temperatures had been, we were still like even though it was warm out, we were still like pretty precautious as far as you know releasing the fish, oh, and make sure they get sure. back in time. You know, we didn't want to stress out the fish, and so you know it was still a good release and. uh Man, that was a great fish. Great, fish. great it was, picture, too. It was funny, too, because you would have hits. And, like, these fish were just absolutely demolishing this fly. And you would oh, have, insane. You would hook into, like, a couple, and you're like, holy shit, that's a big one. Missed it. And then you would keep casting and hook into it again to miss it. And it was just unbelievable fishing. And we, when we went up these punch pools, it went from, oh, my God, this pool is amazing. And then we would go over to the next next crest of the hill and like holy shit this one's even bigger it was not a fucking hill let's be clear at times we were on all fours climbing over rocks like i mean christ i almost got attacked by a bear in this <laughs> bear cave thing that you you know you were like dude check that out over there i was like oh but i want to fish off that little rock i get over there and it's like it's a cave there's no doubt. And across the, the brook where you were standing, I don't know if you saw it, the moose bones. Oh, I did. I did. Yes. Dude, I was like, mother of pearl. There's definitely a bear over there. There's no doubt. So no I'm going to repeat from something we did last episode. What's in the bag? We had walkies. Oh, so good. Game. So good. Game changing. Having walkie talkies. When I have crossed a river and I can't hear you and I'm just like, hey, come over here or drop down at this point or there's an, you would tell me, oh, there's a nice pool up ahead, like game changing. And again, we amazing. can't stress enough at this point when, you know, we didn't get separated on this trip. But if we did, like I got outside a couple of times, I would just turn it on. Every time I didn't see you, I would turn it on and – yep. Immediately, I could click a button and talk to you. It was the best move. Great idea by, on no your half. Uh, well, I'll throw. Okay, it goes. It goes both ways here. I'll I'll throw one at you too. What's new in the bag? Sunflower seeds, man. Oh yes, <laughs> dude. I, my lips were raw by the end of this trip because you gave me a whole bag of. What was it cracked pepper? Yep, cracked pepper, sunflower seeds, man. Which I was like, dude, cracked pepper. I was like, why didn't you go with like dill pickle or something? Did a handful of those, and I was like, oh my god, these are amazing. You're like, yep. Oh, dude, and uh, that was that was game changing. So, but to backtrack a little bit, I would go out myself, and I, you know, I've always loved sunflower seeds, and I, one of my coworkers gave me them, and I'm like. Holy shit, I forgot how much I love cracked pepper seeds. And they are the perfect <laughs> snack as you're just working upstream. You know, throw yep. in a handful and 
you're fucking set. You're just like you're casting. You have sunflowers. Uh, it's just the perfect mix. It's the perfect. You, you mix. just look across the brook and you're like, "What's Fecto doing? Is he yakking again, or is he just <laughs> spitting out his seeds?" You couldn't tell. It's just. <laughs> it's just. Oh, God, those are good. So we end up working up these uh, punch pools for a bit, and again, it's just constant punch pools. We hit like what four, five of big punch pools, and. We get to this point where it's a it's a little bit flatter, and you know I'm ahead of you. I go on the walkie. I'm like, hey, there's a like a nice trout in this pool, so I, yep. and I can see you at this point, but it's just kind of loud with water. And you're working your way up, and I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> Is that the one where I had to go underneath the branches to make that cast? Yes, 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 dude. That was sick. That was because the whole time. You're like a spectator behind me, just like sitting and chilling, munching on some seeds, and you're like, push that fly right to that log in the water there. And I'm like, just, I mean, it took me a cast or two to get it there, but the fact that you could just see every rise, every strike on that fly, Mm -hmm. we both like, I would turn around and both of our eyes would be like the size of baseballs, like, dude, did you see that? It was, oh. So and I pulled four or five out of there. Yep. You, Not the big one, though. Never got the big one. So there was a kind of, uh, I don't know how to say this more. More so, we've been talking about getting into streamer fly fishing, right? And mm-hmm. the tactic for doing that. For those, we're noobs again. We we are still learning. Like we're not experts at all. But when you're streamer fishing, you know you cast across, and then right you strip in, versus a dry fly. Preferably, you know you're a little bit behind. You're casting up. You're mending. You're mending. You're mending. Or you're nymphing. Whatever the same like deal. So yep. we had a whole different approach when we were fishing this, and it was kind of cool where. We're not streamer fishing, but it's the exact same tactics as if you're going to mm. streamer fish with a bigger rod on the bigger river, you know, let that fly swing through the pool and then just absolutely hammer them and hammer them yep. and, you know, do a little action on it. You can see the fly in the water. It, it's a good teaching point. If you're looking into getting into streamer fishing, start on a small river, a small brook, throw a micro woolly. I told you how to tie it and... You can get the basis down for then when you want to upgrade to like an eight weight with a size eight streamer, you're able to have the same tactic but on a much larger river, which is going to be great for uh, this coming winter and next spring, hopefully. Yeah. Yep. So, definitely. Uh, <laughs> another thing that was shitty, but you know, a learning a learning point where I've had corker boots. Highly recommend. Oh, God. Yep. You know, you can change the soles out. There, You can have rubber soles. You can have felt soles. The felt soles are great. You have major ankle support, and you're running, you know, your generic brand. This piece of soles. shit over here is running, like, <laughs> if, 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 if you're one of those people where you're like, I'm going to save a little bit of money, you know, I'll, I'll get by with the uh, the rubber soles, you know, the, the shit kickers, you know, it'll get me through a seat. I dude, never again. Uh, so those rubber, I mean, I've got my money's worth. We oh, were talking you about this. definitely have, dude. They are falling apart. They're they're pieces of shit, but you know they've got me places. And you were fishing this like undercut bank in this like rock valley, 
And I remember as I'm walking towards you, it's like bedrock. Oh, wait. Can it, I say one thing? It drizzled. It. it drizzled a little bit. Yep. So all so I'm this walking shale like, on, the, on the left and right of the banks just slick as snot. And it was slick as snot for my felt. I'm like, all right, I'm going to slow down a little bit. And I radio to you like, oh, there's a brookie up here. And Brian, this pool. And I should have said, be careful, it's slippery. Because I kept thinking I should say something, <laughs> but I didn't. And I... <laughs> so, like, I walk up. I'm like, oh, there's a, a fish over here. So I'm like, I'm not running, but, you know, think of, like, Meme in, like, in the fastest speed possible. I'm like going across this bedrock and it comes into this pool where it's like bedrock and then to the left where you're the pool you're fishing it just drops off. It's almost like bedrock that's been cut into. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I'm walking through what? A foot of water. Yep. And I'm like looking down going, "Yep, this is bedrock. Like this is kind of cool." And then all of a sudden just like somebody had rope around my ankles, just pulled my feet from underneath me. And the first thing to hit was my right elbow. Mother of pearl. I could feel the water rush into my waders because I had waders on. And uh, the walkie-talkie was like completely submerged in the water. And for a fraction of a second, I was like, don't move. Just kind of lay here in the water for a bit. And then I was like, all right, now get up. And as I get up, I did like the 30... 30 second like am i hurt <laughs> is it is it bad is it okay like what's happening and dude to this day i was talking to you last night about it my elbow is still you hit it just right and it's like a knife in my elbow yeah it's not good i remember so, just looking back at you and i'm like i did not <laughs> want to say a word because for a second i was like is the trip over like no <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't because when you got up, like I'm okay. I'm like, all right. We yeah. work up around the bend. I'm like, let's have lunch right now. <laughs> yeah, and dude, that location for lunch was effing gorgeous. It was very loud, very loud. Like you couldn't even hear each other talk. But the the scenery, just that bend, mm-hmm. and the fact that you pulled a trout. Out of that tight pool, let's talk about how technical that was. You had this waterfall that dropped down. Immediately, that current washed into like a down spruce that was like old, but kind of sitting on that bank. And if you cast into the white water where the where the rapids came down, it immediately goes to that tree. So you have a short, brief window to catch a fish. And I don't know how the fuck you pulled that trout out of there. You know, I've been fishing quite a bit this summer. So, you know, I can kind of see it where it's like this fly is not going to get down as deep as I want it. But I'm going to have to pull it across and be able to, you know, miss that tree at the same time. And I was able to pull a nice brookie out of there. Uh, Yeah, dude, that was. And I was like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. Dude, I did two casts. and I was like, nope, I'm good. (laughs) I was like, because I know with my luck, I'm going to be in that tree. It was oh, but that was that was a sweet little spot for lunch. So we had awesome. we had lunch. We know we recouped a little bit and work our way up the brook a bit more, and we we end up coming across a gold miner. <laughs> oh yeah, that old guy, which was kind of sketchy because like, I mean, he was obviously packing up to leave, but when we came up on him, he was like he like saw us, and he was already like corralling his stuff, and then 
he was out of there. But when he got to the top of the riverbank, he was like hiding behind a tree and like watching us fish. It was very was like, weird because we were hitting this one pool. <laughs> And I, you missed it a couple times. I went in there, missed the trout a couple times. And I, I remember I whispered to you, I'm like, hey, he's still like watching us right now. <laughs> and I was like, let's, let's just go. Let's just move up. So, and move up to this next spot. The next spot that we really hit hard was I remember I was walking the left side of the riverbank and I remember turning around to you and go, we got to cross the river. You got to cross over to get to the other side. Yeah, and we weren't taking our time. We were like, that pool was immaculate. We both knew it. We're like, we gotta get to that pool. Mm-hmm. We gotta get to, like, both of us were eager to wet a line in that pool. And dude, I have never in my entire life pulled so many trout out of one pool, more than our last trip after the Allagash. I would say for me, I would disagree because you. I remember you vividly saying. <laughs> And the Allagash trip, like, I caught 30 out of here. We get to this pool. <laughs> and I remember I looked at you. I'm like, all right, we have to catch a minimum 20 out of this pool. So you took a cast, <laughs> caught one. And then I'm like, all right, I'll fish to, like, the, the head waters of the pool. And I pull out, like, every cast. And I'm like, all right, don't lose the streak. And then you just kept ripping them out of there. To oh, the pool. The, yes. This, Okay. I jumped a pool here. This was the pool where I was like, dude, I have found, it was, I called it Orgasmic Falls. That's what it was. When yep. I said in the walkie-talkie, I was like, yep. Orgasmic Falls up here. I was like, this is a, that's right, dude. That was a fun, that was a fun pool. That was a great little pool. You were slaying. I know. I, I got above you a little bit, and I just would cast across to catch one. Cast across to catch one. And I mean, it was dude, just you non-stop. were catching them in like, you were catching them in like, shit water too like oh, off to the yeah. muddy bank side and i was like how are you pulling trout out of here and then <laughs> i remember since... after this pool i would i walked up ahead of you quite a bit and i walk you to you i'm like oh there's a beautiful pool up ahead so yep. i posted up sat on this rock and i caught a couple out of the pool and you were hitting that entire stretch of the pool there's a down like bigger like oak it wasn't a it wasn't a fir tree but in the water and you missed a fucking monster multiple times i'm like oh we have to catch this fucking trout yep that was a tank that was an absolute i saw it come out like at one point i had it snagged and i could see the fish and i was like that is a monster and i remember screaming up river at one point i was like andrew i was like massive fish Yep. And you're just like shaking your head like motherfucker. <laughs> so we end up coming up to the last pool of the day and This is the pool. This is the pool. I mean Dude. every fucking cast. <laughs> Both me and you trading off. You caught a trout, I caught a trout. You caught a trout, I caught a trout. And then you were working the lower end of the pool. I just sat on the rock in the middle of the or the headwater of the pool and you were just pulling them out left and right. And I'm like this is more than I was ever expecting for late July. Dude, I just, I mean, we, we were sitting there. At one point, we looked at each other and we're like, okay, realistically, how many trout do you think are right here, right in front of us in this pool? And the pool is probably about, I don't know, dude. Like, It's not huge. I would say the pool is about the size of like in the paint of a basketball court. Oh, yeah, easily, easily. Yep. About that big. 
and there must have been a minimum 200, 300 trout just sitting right there. Yep. And they all won the Allagash White. <laughs> all of them. All of them. At one point, the Allagash White was an Allagash Red. Yes, I do remember that. Because <laughs> like we were catching so many fish, the the blood from the mouth of the fish, it was just it was just dying the fly red. I was like, Jesus, it's like an Allagash Red. Yep. Oh. I do remember that. And I remember we were... We hike up this fucking cliffside <laughs> to get back to the road. <laughs> and we had another Rangely moment, 2.0. We're walking back to the car. I'm like, dude, I I don't see how we can top this again. We get it. We got our fill. We absolutely slayed. And what what more do we want at this point? And it was supposed to rain that night, too. And we were like, do we really want to camp in, like, the rain? Like, I mean, it's only downhill from here. You know what I mean? It's just, eh. So. But it, it was just another stop. moment where, you know, you you learn where you hit, like, your peak again. You don't overdo yep. it. You enjoy what you did. And, again, we slaughtered the trout. I, I mean, mean, could we go back the next day and catch more fish? Yeah. Is it going to top that? I don't know. It's tough to know, like different weather, and it ended up working in our favor. Like to like skip ahead a little bit, you know, we end up deciding not to stay the next night to fish, and went to a pub, had a great dinner. Dude, go that's back. like the sig. That's a signature pub. Oh, man. I know. Like Every staple. time we go back, we're always in that fucking <laughs> pub. Every fucking time, getting the same burger, same beers, and. Because you're like, where do you want to eat? And I'm like, let's just go back. We know it's good. We know it's great. So it, it worked out in our favor, too, because the next day ended up being really fucking hot, really yep. sunny, and we just fucking hit it perfect. I mean, we it, it worked out to our advantage. Like, we planned ahead. We saw the weather pattern. I texted you saying, oh, we should go up and, you know, do our final, like, hoorah of main trip fishing and... Dude, Dude, it was did we ever perfect. slay? It's it was perfect, and it was cool because the next day too, we were able to like debrief and reflect on it, just by having like a chill day to like, you know, yep, do whatever, and it was perfect. Yeah, I mean the timing, everything was perfect. Couldn't ask for any better, honestly. And dude, I had that headache all day long. Oh, and I did too. <laughs> I remember this because caffeine. Didn't have caffeine. Yeah, we get home and we both have a cup of coffee and we're like, shit, there goes Boom. my headache. <laughs> yep, all better. Oh, but, fuck. So after our big long trip there, you actually, was it a week? The next week, the next week, you actually texted me and you were like, hey, I I made a purchase. And I was like, what? Yeah, so my aunt was very nice and I was talking to her about it in mid-July where I've been wanting to get, you know... A fly rod I could streamer fish with, maybe chase saltwater critters with it. And went on eBay, saw it, told her about it. She's like, go ahead and buy it. So what's new in the bag? Here we go. A new 8-weight, 9-footer, Reddington Vice. It's a fast-action mm. rod. And not only a rod, I also got a real seal drag Lampson liquid, which works in saltwater. With a uh, a nine weight 
weight forward line, which works perfect because it turns that fast action rod into a little bit slower, even though it's still, if you felt it, you'd be like, this is still a stiff rod. Dude, when you sent me a picture of it, you basically found the holy grail of like deals on eBay. Oh yeah. So if for all you listeners out there, if you just scour eBay, you know, you find a fly rod, click on the profile, see if they're selling a reel with it. Because he sold me a deal where this fly rod retails for uh between 180 and 220, the reel itself is at least 120 and the line itself is 100 bucks. And I got it for less than 200 bucks. Dumb. It, it dumb. Absolutely dumb. So, you know, following this great weekend in Rangeley, I was, my buddy was flying up from Tampa. You know, he has a place on Cape Cod, and we were planning to meet at his place. I would go down on Cape on Saturday. He would drive in on Saturday, and uh, we would hang for the night. But his his flight wasn't coming until, you know, the later later evening on Saturday. So I was like, fuck it. You know, never done it. Have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going to go after some stripers. <laughs> but I told you, I remember you were te- you called me and you were like, bro, I'm thinking about doing this. And you're like, yeah, I'm sitting on the ocean right now. I'm like, "What? wait, what? And you're like, don't know what to expect. I'm like, yeah, but your skill set, and I said this before, your skill set is that you're able to adapt on the fly. You can, no pun intended, you can easily, you know, make changes and be successful. That is one of your strengths, and the proof is in the goddamn pudding. So building off that, I, um, you know, I've learned one thing. If you want to get info, you have to do your homework. But on top of that, go to a local fly shop, buy a couple flies, and talk to the guy at the cash. So, I go to a local fly shop in um, Chatham, Mass. I forget the fly shop name off the top of my head, but if you're ever in uh, Cape Cod, go down to that place because they'll treat you right. You know, I bought some Clouser minnows. I know that that's kind of like the fly of choice, chartreuse with a little white belly underneath. Buy a couple flies, check out. I'm like, hey, I'm looking to chase some stripers. Never done before on a fly rod. Where should I go? So, he puts me in the right direction. Get paces. Paces. He gave you paces of how far to go. He gave me exactly (laughs) 200 paces out, go 100 paces right. Like to this point, this is where you need to be. I'm like, all right, perfect. Get to the point. You know, I call you, tell you what I'm about to do. I had low expectations for the day, but. And it was hot as shit that day, too. It was at least 95. I wore a light long sleeve hoodie. And I was like, I'm not going to get burned as shit. Had sunscreen on my face, hat, glasses, had just a pack. All I did was had a sling pack with my phone, my keys, and my flies, tippet, and a pliers. That's all I needed. You looked like a bro. (laughs) I was a a bro, a West Coast bro, fly fishing, as there's hundreds of people on the beach. And so... For all you haven't striper fished before, you want to fish the outgoing tide. So you want to fish as the tide is going out and you're fishing for, uh, you're looking for structure in the sand. So it's not like brook trout fishing where, you know, you see a rock, you see an eddy, and you're going to cast right. to that. You're, right. you're looking for 
channels of sand, sandbars, moving water. And what's cool is, you know, I get out to the spot and it's like a search and destroy mission for turkey hunting. So, because you were you were saying, it's almost like redfish fishing in a way. Because at times you could see, like, because you could see the flash of the striper on the side. Because what were they going after? So they were going after sand eels and crabs. So, I you know I get out to this channel where an estuary flows into the the Cape Cod Bay, and there's all this structure with the sandbars. There's deep holes and. I have my polarized sunglasses on, which is a must if you're going to do this. And right. all of a sudden, I see these flashes of white. I'm like, oh, my gosh. that That's a striper right there. And now I look. Oh, there's one to my left. Oh, there's one to my right. But this is my first time with an eight weight <laughs> with a heavy oh, yeah, weighted right. fly. <laughs> so you have to learn a whole new cast in order to get the fly out there. And it's, it's windy a hybrid. It's a hybrid shit. cast. It is you're doing essentially two casts in one. Exactly. So, you know, with the dry fly, you can flick it out there with a little six-foot three-weight. Or if you have a nymph, you can water load, cast up, mend, mend, mend. But now, I've never stripped flies before. I've never casted a big clouser before. But So you have to do a double haul, which, if you look it up online, much easier to see it online than me explain it. But, you know, you, you cast back, you pull the line in, as you're in your back cast, you feel the tension, you pull in the line, and then you cast it forward and you shoot the line. But on top of that, you do a Belgium loop, which means when you do your back cast, it's more lower to the water, and on your forward cast, you're more over the top with it. So yep. that allows you to flick your line out there, shoot your line out there, and cast through the wind with the eight weight, nine weight line, through the wind, hit the water, and then, you know, strip in the line so as you described to me for the casting technique i mean for visual people it's like playing the violin with one hand and then doing like a almost like a modified roll cast with your other hand exactly but but you were like imagine rubbing your tummy and tapping your head at the same time it's you're multitasking and it took me at least 20 minutes to figure that out and again it's 25 30 mile an hour winds i remember you know, I'm casting out, I see these stripers, and I ended up strip setting, which is a whole new way of fishing. <laughs> you know, when you're trout setting, you just raise the rod tip, and right. you're hooked in. But with the striper, which is much larger than a dinker brookie, <laughs> all you do is you hold your line in your pole down to the water, and you fucking do a big strip of the line, and you hold on for goddamn life. So, I'm throwing clousers. See a see striper. Get a good cast on it. Strip set it, and then it just goes straight into the backing. I'm like, holy (laughs) fucking shit! I was not ready at all. So, fight this fish. Fight this fish. Bring it in. Bring it in. End up getting it to a sandbar near me, which took at least at least five, almost ten minutes. <laughs> and take a couple photos, get it back in the water, end up calling you as the wind is just howling. I'm like, I fucking got one after Dude, expecting you, not to when get I saw, shit. When I saw that phone ringing, I go, no fucking way. And I 
I li- I just remember I picked up and I go, how fucking big is it? You're like, <gasps> you took a deep breath and you're like, dude, it's <laughs> the biggest fucking fish ever caught a fly rod. I'm like, dude, you got sent. You're like, I already sent you pictures. Like they were delayed, but I was like, fuck, like. And that dude. was at least a 25 incher. I mean. There were so many fucking fish. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it you was, were going into this, you are like, I just want to learn the cast. I'm not going to catch anything. Like, I literally told you, I was like, I'll catch a crab <laughs> before I fucking catch a fish. And oh. when I started seeing them and started figuring it out, and then, my goodness, for all you trout anglers, get an eight weight with a sealed drag reel and just go have some fun because it is... Again, unbelievable. So, you know, go back out, keep fishing, keep fishing. And I missed at least five more fish because, you know, I kept trying to trout set it, which Mm. is raising a rod tip. I didn't strip set it, lose some fish, change some flies. The tide was coming in and ended up working my way back to shore as the tide was coming in, able to hook into another one just as big play it i i couldn't get photos because you know i'm i am wet waiting and i'm wearing like compression like shorts that go down to like my calves like you're playing basketball it keeps you nice and cool doesn't let me get burnt to shit and i can't i can't take my phone out take a picture of it but it's just unbelievable fishing it's just it's a whole different type of fishing when you're like turkey hunting and you hear a gobble and you're like all right we're going after that gobble i'm fishing and what i'm doing is i'm standing in the flat and i'm scanning left and right left and right left oh there's one there's one lead it like i'm shooting a fucking clay pigeon just yeah see that shoot for it you know you have to tick the line tick 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 and then strip set oh you literally couldn't beat it, and there was it just, hundreds. It of opens fish. it opens up another like whole season for us if you think about it. Like it's something that's been there that we haven't even realized, and then you just try it out, and you're like, dude, this whole this opens up a whole new world mm-hmm. of like fly fishing. Exactly, and it it just like it's a totally different realm where different tackle, bigger fish. Hot weather doesn't matter. If you don't get rain, doesn't matter. Like, I love, I will always be a trout angler at the end of the day. Like, if I live and breathe trip fishing for wild trout. Yep. But, you know, when the weather doesn't cooperate and you have July, August, early September, you can't go fish for trout. It's a great alternative. Like, absolutely mm. the best alternative you could have. And I've only been once, and I hope to go again. I've been tying up flies like I showed you today. and Yeah, you're like, dude, check this out. And I was like, holy shit. And you already tying, you already had, what, three flies tied? I was yep. like, Jesus, Murphy. So it, if for all you anglers out there, it's just, it is a, it is a ball. It's game changer. And I can't yeah. wait for you to go with me, and I stand by your side as you struggle to cast, <laughs> and there's fucking stripers. <laughs> two feet away from you that you spook but one thing was weird is they were spooky as hell so Mm. if i missed my cast by a foot and i hit them almost on the nose they would just absolutely run away if i moved in the water and the water's pretty fucking clear they would run so it's like you have to be stealthing your way 
it is just the hunting of fly fishing. And it's just so engaging. Before I know it, it's been six hours. I was on the on the flats and had a ball. Didn't catch a lot. Learned a shit ton. And mm. it is just revolutionary for the Grip and Grin team for the next Absolutely. coming summer. So Absolutely. But that opens up the whole East Coast practically. Uh, it from where I am in Mass all the way up to Maine, it I you're we I've been looking for your eight weight. I've been doing it every day. <laughs> because it needs to happen. You're gonna catch one and be like, dude, holy shit. Yeah. And What's cool is I transition into the uh, the next segment of this pod. Do I love chasing stripers and big bigger fish? Yes, but again, my heart lies in catching wild trout, mystical so, creatures. So <laughs> I had a, I've had again at the beginning of this pod we talked about I had a three week heater. Absolutely yep. just demolishing fish. So I had, the stripers were weak too. Yo, stripers were weak too. Stripers two. were weak too. Week three, I had an outing to Vermont. So for you for those of you that don't know, my parents have lived in Vermont. I've never actually fished Vermont. I've been to Vermont countless times. I know it pretty well. And when I had a company outing that um I had to go to, which was again perfect because the weather was going to be great i had ample time on the weekends and uh out-of-state three-day license was 25 bucks right around there so you couldn't beat it so you know i've alluded to this a little bit before but my original uh three weight six and a half footer shit the bed you know I'm I'm pretty sure you're like you know that you know that rod that we bought the shit you know the the shitty rods for the Allagash I said yeah you're like it's a fucking piece of shit get rid of it I was like oh okay so (laughs) I will I will drop some names here the Cabela's CGR don't buy it for all of you out there do not buy it it is just horrible if you're in a pinch and you need a fly rod just for the weekend, like a piece of shit just for the weekend, go with it. It's a $75 rod that we picked up. <laughs> we went out. We didn't talk about this on, you know, the pods, but we went out together before, you know, the trip to Rangeley. And I remember we were fishing. I'm like, the handle, the cork handle is peeling off the base yep. of the rod. And then I kept fishing, kept fishing, and then... All of a sudden, the middle section piece would just fly off, and then all the of a sudden, end. the, the male end of the ferrule just dropped into the rod. I'm like, okay, piece of shit. So I ended up finding a LL Bean double L, six and a half foot three weight three piece, and that retails for like uh, two forty, if I remember correctly, maybe a little bit more. And I picked it up for a hundred bucks. Dude, you found the Holy Grail 2.0 from and an old timer. Th- this rod, which I did have on the Rangely, but we were saving it for this segment. Um, yep. It is a dream. Fast Dude. action. I overline it with a four weight line. 
and it just makes it just flexible enough where I can just flick things into Dude, the tightest loading holes. that rod, oh, loading that rod when I used it up in Rangeley, I was like, I want this. Like yep. this exact thing. And do you know I, what's I funny? This. Do you know what's funny? I texted you and I was like, I found a perfect rod for you. And you're yep. like, ah, I can't do it. And I'm like, all right, this deal is too good. I'm not even passing it up. And yep. I bought it. <laughs> yep. So I get this rod and it's just, it's a dream. So I do my research and, you know, I, I, buy these guidebooks, I look at the Gazetteer, I bought a Vermont Gazetteer for this, I uh, go on Onyx, do some research, find a major river source where I know the fishing's great in that river, look in the, the uh, tribs and rivers that dump into this, and what's cool about Vermont versus Maine, there's a couple things I want to talk about, which I don't have on the agenda, so hopefully you'll be able to spit uh, spit with this. But This is all you, brother. <laughs> Maine, you know, you have, you do have the mounds, but you don't have the green mounds, where it's just all these tribs spring-fed all above 3,000 feet, and we talked about the 2,000 feet mark we were looking for, just Ice, dumping into these rivers, gin-clear, cold water, you have all these resources, and then we're gonna, we're gonna change the topic a little bit, but... Vermont does a great job of conserving trout where they they don't just throw all these stocked fish into these rivers and yep. say, oh, right, here you go. Like, the anglers are happy. They do restoration on these tribs that feed into these rivers that help, you know, manage the wild trout population. They do he- uh, hedge-cutting trees into tribs where it keeps... You know, the the thermals off the stream, if it's an open area where, the, you know, there's bedrock and whatever, they keep the water cool. They help the trout reproduce, have structure, be able to be safe from predators, all these different things that you don't see in Maine, which is, mm-hmm. it, it's super annoying. We've talked it's about a, it on the phone It's a genius much. tactic. Like, they're not just worried about how many fish are in that river. Oh, there's less numbers. We should put more in. They're saying, okay, how many trout in that river? And then, okay, let's look at the habitat. Yes, exactly. They're also making a habitat like a focal point, which is, you, it, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. And the the longer I've been out of Maine, the more that I see that other state agencies have their shit together. And yep. God damn it, Maine, figure it the fuck out. Because it does not yeah, we, take a lot of money to dump trees into a brook to make more wild trout. It just, it doesn't uh, yeah, take that we were, much. We were looking... Um, you know, I, I did some digging, and this is a wormhole that you could just go down for years. Uh, but the state of Maine does a um, an action plan for for all of the um, the animals in the state of Maine and whatnot. But it also focuses on the fisheries and whatnot. But it's a ten year plan. They they do it for ten years. So they just approved 2015, and it goes all the way to 2025. And in that report. When I did, it was a, what, 382-page report, and I did a command F on brook trout. And I searched, like, the the biological name of the brook trout. I did everything. And I think I had 12 hits. 12 fucking hits. 12 hits. And some of those hits were just, like, descriptions 
of like a picture that they they included in the report. So it wasn't even part of the actual report. The ones that I did find that were like a focal point was like, okay, on a scale one to three, a one on the scale means like we need to make this a primary focus that, you know, excuse me, we need to make this a primary focus. This species is like in danger of not going extinct, but like struggling to survive in the state of Maine. They put the brook trout at a three, which yes, we are catching uh, brook trout, you know, in these pools that we we just recently talked about. But if you look at the the bigger picture here, right, statewide, I would not put brook trout at a three. I'm sorry. I, I mean, granted, like you said, we we've demolished wild brookies in Maine, but if you look at the big picture, we have to go to specific places to mm. even have a chance of catching them. And we're talking about one watershed, maybe two watersheds, three watersheds. But yeah. as a whole, the percentage of Maine that holds a good population of wild trout, I, I'm putting that percentage pretty fucking low. I, I would honestly put that at a one. I put brook trout at a one. It's just, it's unbelievable. I, would, I could argue a two, but a th- not a three. Absolutely not a three. And we were actually talking about this is like, do you think it's at a three because of those stalking reports? Yes. It, it, you have to think. There's no like, doubt. There's no you, doubt. If you look at Vermont stocking reports versus Maine, Maine has multiple pages. Multiple pages. How many like, pages even does Max, Vermont have? If, uh, it's. It's not pages, but it's definitely not nearly as much. They have rivers. Did you say that, like one or two pages? Uh yeah, uh, comparable. Yeah, it's, it's like just, what? What are we doing here? And what are we? Doing? Not even that. I'll talk about mass a little bit. Mass figured it out where it's like we're not going to stock as many trout if the wire temps right. too high or the That's pH right. is wrong. It's just state of Maine. It's like all right, if there's pike in this lake, let's just throw them fucking brookies to throw in there milfoil throw them in there it's just you could take oh and the other thing is like you know i i don't know if this was for massachusetts or maine i can't remember but the ph level no it was massachusetts but like for maine it's like you can almost we we got it down to like the week of when they stock it's like they always stock like one of those you know that was it uh, the last week of April or like the first? Yes, yeah, the third it right week of April. Like third yeah. week of April, right when like school break is towards yep. second week of May, you can guarantee this river is getting at least four stockings. And it's fucking ridiculous if you think about it. They put these trout in such shitholes. If you take, if you put half those trout in, and then you're like, all right, let's go try to preserve these other brooks or rivers that actually have wild trout and you know try to save them a little bit more make them a little more strict regulations where vermont has like great regulations for like all right like you have fly fishing on this river or in mass even like catch and release barbless hooks in maine i think you have a handful of rivers that are you know barbless hooks or catch and release only but oh, if 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 you're in Maine, you can you know spin cast and keep fish. And I'm not against keeping fish. I'm not saying that, but right, it's just 
You got to preserve the wild trout is just you can't make wild trout. You can make or native trout. Sorry, native trout. I mean, wild trout you, look you can at, make. You look at some of the rivers that we've fished in the past. I, I would say we don't really focus on those rivers anymore. I know you know exactly which one I'm talking about, but like those rivers that they stock heavily, you know, they say they put like 250 in there. It's like half of them die within like the first week. And then like the rest of them, there's no way in hell, no way in hell that a good strong percentage of those trout are going to be holdovers. There's no way. Oh, there's no way. The water gets to like 75 degrees, almost 80 degrees. It's like, what are we doing here? We're taking all this taxpayer money and we're, we're selfish. Like we're being selfish because we want to catch fish and we want to catch big fish. But what about the the trout themselves? Like what what do the trout need? We need to we need to make the habitat better. Let's let's start from the foundation and work our way up. You know what I'm saying? If you start with a strong foundation, there's no need to stock. Look at Vermont. Exactly. So habitat, I go to, you don't I, have to worry about it. I go to Vermont and there's I go on these brooks and you can literally I'm walking on the brook and I see oh they cut this tree, they cut this tree, all of this they cover a great pool that you normally fish, but it gets beat by the sun. Well, it doesn't get beat anymore because there's actually trees covering it, so the water's even colder. Like, it's such a simple fix. Such a simple fix. And I know we didn't talk about this, but I do want to add it. If you look out in the western U.S., they have hoot owl regulations. What does hoot owl mean? Well, at noon till 4 o'clock or from 2 to evening you can't fish it's too fucking hot yep yep we just went through like we were saying a hot streak of three weeks three weeks and the state of maine doesn't do jack shit to help these trout you know have a refuge for these hot hours of the day like absolutely none you have to you know, you have to be a good person to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to go fish because the water temp's above 67. You know, yep. you're, you're putting that in the angler. And, like, I know there's plenty of people out there that are that are good about it, but there's plenty of people that aren't, right? Yep. And, I mean, I uh, I feel like we are eventually we're going to have a whole other podcast about this, this, you know, this type of, like, stocking and, you know, conservation and so on and so forth. Um but I mean, it's it's clear that we are not doing everything in the state of Maine that we could be, in my opinion. And you know, we like uh, we are. I feel like great examples where we keep trout. Yes, we do. Most yep. of the time, I would say, realistically, I don't even think it's an exaggeration. Ninety-five percent of the time, the trout we keep are stocked. Yes, ninety-five. Yep. No, we don't use barbless hooks. But we always make sure to keep those trout in the water. I wet my hands every time before I touch a trout. Yep. And put them back in the water as fast as I can. I keep them in the rubber net. Do everything I can to preserve a trout. But the state of Maine just really needs to figure it the fuck out. And long story short, on our fucking 20-minute rant, that's just... I'm sorry. I had to say it. I had to get an off no, my chest. I, I I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. Every it, time we are on the phone, we talk about it. It's just it's frustrating. 
just because you can go out and catch like oodles of trout like we did doesn't mean that the resource is plentiful in every part of the fucking state. So right. figure it the fuck out. So anyway, I go to Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> I go to Vermont and, you know, I do all my research. I find these brooks and, you know, I, I talk to a, a local fly shop, get some intel. And it was kind of funny because everything they were telling me I already knew. So I was like, it's great. They're being nice. I know they're telling me good info because I did my research and I know it's good info. <laughs> and they even told you like, shit, you've done your homework. Exactly. Like, yep. I was, they were telling me like, oh, do you know this brook? Do you know that brook? Do you know this? I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I already did that. And you're like, you're all set, man. So <laughs> I remember I talked to you on Friday. And I was like, you know, I don't have high expectations. You always have to set the expectations low. Right. And, uh, End up going out on Saturday. In the morning, I woke up, and it was 40, 47 degrees. That's insane, dude. I send you a snap, and in Vermont, I have shit service, so it was kind of funny. But, you know, I, I do my research, and I find this river that dumps into a, a major river source. And, you know, I throw on a stimmy and a X-Caddis, and I send you a video of it gin clear water pocket water definition of pocket water and i just start fucking clobbering rainbows wild rainbows i just Good, like you said they were footballs too they were like short and fat they're short fat and they would they would fight like a salmon t- multiplied with a brookie it was just rainbow trout hot take might be my favorite trout Ooh, because okay. it just—I think it's still uh, a mystical creature. They don't exist, so yeah. Do you, I know you can't relate, <laughs> but holy crap, do they? Do they fight? And are they? they I've literally had a trout take my fly as it jumped out of the water. It went at least three feet, at least. It's insane. At least. So Saturday, absolutely clobbered the rainbows. You know, caught easily over fifty easily and they're all between eight and somewhere up to 12 inches it's just fucking unbelievable you know go back on go back out on sunday sunday my plan was to you know fish a lot of water you know explore you know that one on saturday i just fished one trip but right Decided, you know, get into the green mounds. Let's get on a real remote spot and let's just get after it. And that's when I started seeing the hedge cutting and just all this conservation effort, catching trout, catching brookies. You even said one of the brookies I caught was the Dude, best looking brookie you've seen all year. That's fact. That's fact. And it's like, not only that, but you sent me a video of this water that was so clear that it was like blue. And on top of that, you like zoomed in, the picture quality was still great, and you could see a trout. Like, yep. not like a little dinker, like a 12 inch trout just, you know, swimming through the glacial, like blue water. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my God, that is absolutely gorgeous. So everywhere I went, the water temp was in the 50s. I, I couldn't get away from water temp in the 50s. Yes, the major river. Was a little bit warmer. Didn't fish it because it wasn't safe for the trout. Um, but 
you know, by the end of the day, when I sent you that video, I decided, you know, I want to fish a technical river. I want to, you know, get into some bigger rainbows, bigger brookies. You know, it's going to be tougher. Water level's low. Yep. Water's gin clear, like that video. And I got into that river and just, <laughs> I, I pulled out the seven and a half foot, you know, Reddington Crosswater. It's a medium fast action rod. It's my, it's my blue rod. It's my blue rod. And yep, yep. started laying some casts out at like almost the entire fly line length and just ripping in rainbows. I mean How much it was of that fun. river how much of that river did you actually hike? So every every trip or river, I did not hike more than a half mile. Dude. <laughs> and I spent all day Saturday, all day Sunday. That's how great the fishing was. Oh my god. So, I mean, I got back to my car, and I, I have, I, I love Vermont. I just absolutely love it. Get in my car, and I'm just at absolute peace. Like I'm doing, I'm doing a shout out here, uh, Biot. We might have to make a change and uh, hit Vermont as a, as a team here. This, this sounds too good to be true, and we might have to make a shift. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll do my homework and I'll take you to some great water because dude, everywhere Fuck. you look, it's almost overwhelming. When I did my research, where I'm looking at all these trips, dumping in, I'm like, I want to go here, I want to go there, I want to go there, but it's like, ah. But again, not the shit on Maine, but the shit on Maine. Vermont does a great <laughs> job, and they survey yep. all these the all these trips, all these rivers, and they rank them, not just from fishing quality, but like water quality, you know, habitat quality, all these different layers to ranking these these brooks, rivers, streams, whatever. And it it makes it again easier for you who want to go out there and fish it, but right. also it's like, okay, this trip is really good. Let's make sure we conserve it, put strict regulations on it where you can't fish it during did you know? I don't know if you knew, but for the listeners, when do rainbow trout spawn? No clue, because they don't exist for me. Uh, they spawn <laughs> in the spring. Interesting. So huh. brook trout, brown trout, spawn in the fall. You know, you have regulations that save them, where you can't fish in, what, October in Maine, November in Maine, or you yep. have very strict regulations in the late fall. But for some brooks in Vermont, you can't fish them during April and May. Hmm. Because they have a wild rainbow population that they want to conserve which is just figure it the fuck out just figure it out so again can talk highly more highly of vermont it was just unbelievable and i will say this and we both talked about it i've had my fill of trip fishing this year yep but i still want to fish a lot more and I'm really, really looking forward to slow days on big tail waters catching maybe one fish, but that one fish will be hopefully a monster. It's coming. Once I get equipped with the right equipment, uh, I'll, I'm right there with you. So hopefully, you know, I've, we've been talking about it too, is, you know, I've been trying to find my itch for deer hunting, and I've been not able to find it right now. Oh, hopefully I've got it, it baby. I need it's, it. It's coming. I need it. I, 
I have an itch to fish a big tailwater and catch nothing versus hunting right now. But I'm hoping, you know, over the next couple weeks, something will change in me. But, you know, we we have uh, a lot to look forward to ahead. You know, we've we've been inconsistent with the pod, but we still, you know, I'll be fall fishing, given bass doesn't start hunting till uh, mid-October. You know, I'll make a couple can, trips down for you. Don't worry. Hope, hopefully you can come down here again. Maybe I get back on the salt. Maybe, you know, I fish a big tail water. But for certain, we're going to talk about deer in the next pod. That's just going to happen. Uh, yeah, I have... Uh... I have some new hardware to talk about, and um, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it's, I I didn't mention it on this pod just because, you know. But I'll I'll drop a little teaser. Uh, as you listeners know, I like to spend money. You love to spend <laughs> money. Absolutely love it. There should be nothing else to buy at this point. Nothing. I couldn't imagine more. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> For deer hunting, I literally couldn't. Unless you buy like a phantom saddle that you just fall in love with, which I don't see happening. Um, no, JX3 man, JX3 for life. JX3. <laughs> love it. So. I love it. I Yeah. And I got a new, yeah, dude, I got so, jeez. Yeah. I have a lot to talk about on what's, what's in the bag coming up. What's so. in the bag? Uh, uh, what was our other segment called? Like, from the saddle, where you have some fucking trail cam picks to talk about. Uh, I have some, yes. Even I, I'll tease this because it won't be a big story. I remember last week. You know, I tried calling you. You were busy mowing the lawn. I'm like, fuck it. I'll drive the back roads home. Go buy a public land spot I hunt in Mass and. Driving up, and there's, like, a field on the corner, and I look over, and it's like, oh, shit. There's fucking three shooter bucks, and one of them's massive. Did my scouting for the summer. <laughs> You're like, done. <laughs> oh, goodness. But as always, folks, as we sign off, um, great episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and uh, more to come for sure. And as always, get in the woods. And get on the water. Absolutely.